Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Serial Killers Cafe. I'm your host Stephanie here with my co-host Ariel. Hello everyone. And happy Friday, end of the week. We've made it through another week. I think we're on week eight of quarantine. Um, or nine, or I'm really losing track if we're being honest, but we've made it. <laughs> we're all surviving. For me, it like has kind of gone by fast because you know me, like I am a homebody. Like, yeah, not much changed for you. <laughs> Literally, though, nothing, like, except for I, like, don't go to Target. I don't know. Like, that's pretty much the extent of it. I'm almost mad at myself because now I'm like, so you don't actually have an excuse to go to Target because you haven't gone in months and you're fine. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was going to be like, listen, you made it two months without going once a day. You don't need to keep going, okay? Same with the grocery store, guys. I used to go to the grocery store literally every day, and I would call Ariel, and she'd be like, why are you at the freaking grocery store again? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm terrible at planning and i haven't gone to the grocery store in two weeks because that's how good i've been planning so see now i have to be a normal person all the time this is terrible (laughs) oh my god all right let's jump into the guy he is so special i know so we're doing um marcel patoy and he is very interesting um he is a french serial killer from paris france um and he like ariel said was something else um to say the least uh he was born (laughs) january 17th 1897 um and he had well over he had at least 27 victims but they are assuming many many more so i'm gonna have ariel dive right in with his early life yeah so he was also known as dr satan so like obviously right off the bat we know he was awesome um so like many of our killers he was basically messed up from the beginning so at the age of 11 so this is like that's like what fourth or fifth grade um he was brought to the police's attention because he one brought his father's gun to class uh, and two <laughs> propositioned a fellow student for sex that is 11. That is wild. At 11. Yeah. 11. Yikes. Um, and it kind of just went downhill from there. As a teenager, um, he found himself a little bit of a kleptomaniac. And it was just like weird. So like he didn't rob things that were actually value. like valuable. Um, one thing that I keep finding everywhere is that um, he was charged with theft and damage to public property after he robbed a mailbox. So, like, what are you getting? I, like, I guess that's what a kleptomaniac does, though. Like, it's just the thrill of stealing. Yeah, like, am I going to get um, away with it? Are people going to realize I stole their mail? Right. Probably not, because I'm a kleptomaniac and they're dumb. <laughs> right. So. so, here's the best part. So, this is, he's 17, okay? And um, he is actually recommended by the court for a psychological evaluation. And at 17, he's deemed unfit to go to trial and the charges are dropped now to me and mind you guys they said that he had like various mental illnesses like they didn't say what they were they were just like he was diagnosed with various mental issues but we're gonna let him go well that's what i don't understand is so once again this is basically a serial killer who could have been stopped because okay so i understand they dropped the charges i mean they were fairly minor charges fine but if at 17, someone is saying, like, he has such mental issues, why are we not saying, okay, we're going to drop the charges, but 
you need to go to a psychologist or you like some sort of institute. I don't know anything. Um, mental health matters. <laughs> what? I said mental health matters. Right. Seriously, though. It is Mental um, Health Awareness Month. Mental health matters. Please remember. Please. please. And go to a therapist, everyone. Oh, Aaron, um, I love therapy. <laughs> We have love therapy. We are huge advocates for <laughs> going to therapy. And like we said, like just it's good to chat with someone who's unbiased and you know, you can yeah. complain about ridiculous things and they don't judge you for it and you know, they're like they'll tell you straight up like you're being ridiculous or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. It's Sometimes great. that's all you need, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um so despite the fact that he was diagnosed with quote various mental illnesses, which again we don't actually know what those are um he was drafted into the french army for world war one yeah i mean i suppose in that point point in time like it's not like he signed up and they like looked into his background um Uh, he was drafted it was kind of like we need bodies so like let's go uh he didn't last very long he was wounded in 1917 um, and at that point, he was also assessed and deemed to be mentally ill. So at this point, he did, I can't say he didn't seek, he was forced to have some sort of treatment. Yes. But obviously, it didn't work very well. And also, um, we have to remember, too, treatment was very different back then. Oh, yeah, very, very different. And, and he's also in France and, like, I mean, obviously now it's like, you know, they do background checks for guns and like, you know, going to war and like, are you fit? And like, those weren't big things in like the early 1900s. Um, So it definitely, that definitely obviously does make a big difference here. Um, Which we understand, like we know mental health matters. We also know in the early 1900s, like we're still having issues talking about it today in 2020. Right. So I'm sure it wasn't a high fun topic of convo back in the early 1900s. So... Well, they also didn't have the diagnosis that we have now. Right. Because even here, like, one of the things that they talk about him having is melancholia. That's not a mental diagnosis. Like, you know what I mean? That's just like you're sad. Um, So. (laughs) You're just like bummed. Right. So, but back then, like, that was a thing. I mean, they also treated people with like LSD and shit, didn't they? (laughs) I feel like that was a thing. Yeah, well, and obviously, like, as time goes by, things, like, you know, research progresses and stuff like that, which is always good, but it's it's crazy. But, guys, in case you're wondering, so he's obviously mentally ill, and um, he (laughs) actually ran for mayor of his town. Oh my God, this, not only did he run, he won. Didn't he like win? <laughs> he won. So no one, no one cares whatsoever. No, zero fucks. Or no one knows like, really. Like I think that they probably were just like, yeah, he's a little weird, but you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, he ran and won, which is mind blowing to me. Um, while in office, embezzled a bunch of town funds. <laughs> Of course. Because, you know, what else are you going to do when you're a criminal and the mayor of a town? Um, And, yeah, like, that's just crazy to me. He actually, but he did hire an accomplice to, like, totally ruin the political debate with his opponent. So that's how he won. I don't want you to think, like, they loved him. He actually hired someone to fuck it up so he could win. Um, So, 
Um, and so earlier I called him Dr. Satan. Yeah. Um, it's not just like a fun name. He actually was a doctor. Yeah. So this is basically like how he got his victims. Um, so he would like lure them in on the pretense of getting vaccinated, you know, cause I'm sure at this point vaccines were kind of new. Um, so anything that people could get to stop them from getting all these crazy diseases that there were out there, they're like, absolutely. Right. Um, and so he even, um, there's a lot of medical fraud that went on as well. So like he would go in and he would make the patients pay. And then he would also like apply for state help saying like, oh, the patients couldn't pay. The state needs to pay. So he'd get paid twice. Which is crazy because I didn't really think they'd have state help then. I knew. So I was kind of like, whoa. Well, I don't think, I don't think it was healthcare. It's probably not like, the same. Yeah. Definitely. Like maybe benefit. just a financial only. Like, oh, we'll come. Right. But exactly. Still, yeah. That's what I think. Crazy to think that like that has been like, applying for financial help in like medicine and stuff that was around that long ago. Like, yeah, it's just crazy to me. Um, also another thing is, um, so after he was like, quote, treated for his mental illness, he went back to the army, but then <laughs> he was, um, they say released. I don't, I don't know if that's the right, it's not only the right word, but so he was discharged from the army because he shot himself in the foot. And they gave him full disability pension. Yeah. So he's pretty much set for life instantly. You shot yourself. How do you want to get a pension from that? Um, and also, you should know. So, like, basically, when World War II was happening, because he was still a doctor at this point. Um, yeah. Which, again, blows my mind that, like, he has done all these things now when numerous people have been like, you're unfit to do anything ever. And he's like, well, cool, I'm right. a doctor. <laughs> like, I know, right? You're like, oh, you know what you are? You're unfit to talk in a trial, but you're not fit to literally have patients and be a doctor. Like, okay. Got it. That's okay. And like seriously wounded patients of war. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so he actually was providing false medical certificates to French citizens who are like drafted and forced into like labor, into Germany, or like he would treat like the sick workers. And he was um, convicted of overprescribing narcotics despite the oh. fact that two addicts testified like two of the addicts who would have testified against him disappeared but like no one no one everyone was probably oh like God. oh it's an addict they're fine um so it's just it, it's crazy to me because there were so many people who said like he's mentally ill he's got all these problems so then he went on and became a doctor so like and then killed a shit ton of people <laughs> like you know what i want to know victim, like googling it right now is like what were the narcotics used in the 1800s well you're in 1942 now or you're in like the 1940s oh yeah that's true it wasn't 1800s it was like early 19s and then it went into but opium that was like a big thing that they used to treat people with mental illnesses that's like a hallucinogen (laughs) which again is just crazy to see the progression of like what it was used for in the 1940s versus what it's used for today yeah like it's just crazy to see that and like ariel said he was a doctor and that's how he got his victims but his first victim was actually the daughter of one of his elderly patients and they had an affair and well they said might be his first victim because she disappeared and no one's seen her again and then (laughs) to disappear um, around him they said that he had seen 
The neighbors later said that they had seen him load a trunk into his car, and they assumed maybe it was her. But and then that was the same year, guys. He ran for mayor, sabotaged your opponent, won. So and bets with a bunch of money. He's like really, he's like very fast moving. He's like okay. And the worst part is everyone's like, oh yeah, I saw him put this trunk that definitely could have been a person since we know she disappeared, and not one person was like, let me see if maybe they were connected. Nope, nothing. Right. Nothing at all. So. No law enforcement was like, hmm, that seems weird. Yeah, or is it, and I wonder if it's because, and again, sorry, we're, we probably should have, it's harder to find um, like how laws and when those things were enacted in different countries than it is in the U.S. So because this is in France, like when I Googled like when did like a missing persons report become a thing, it doesn't give me the information for other countries. Um, or if it does, I'd have to go down a very steep rabbit hole and it probably still wouldn't be the right answer. So Honestly, I just, guys, we wouldn't be here right now because she would still be doing it. Seriously. So anyway, his his so he basically had like an escape network that's the next part i'm going to talk about and they they called it like his most lucrative activity because he literally created his own like escape route and he called it fly talks so he adopted he adopted the code name dr eugene so changed his name and then he accepted anyone who could afford his price which was like twenty five thousand francs per person regardless of whether they were like jews resistance fighter regular criminal like he didn't care as long as they could provide the money he didn't give a crap what their issue was or who they were or anything like that and he um, basically claimed that he could arrange like a safe passage to Argentina or like somewhere else in South America. And he claimed that like he could do this for them. So no matter who they were, as long as they could pay, he was like, done deal, gotcha. And it was like the craziest thing because he could not do this, guys. He did not. Put no, any right. this wasn't a thing. It was a straight up scam. Okay. A straight what? up scam. So he. Um, claimed that like Argentinian officials had actually injected his victims with cyanide and then he took their like so if they were to come he would literally inject them with cyanide and then say like oh Argentinian officials did it guys how terrible is that and he would just dispose of them after taking all of their valuables and wait that's not how I understood it oh that's how I understood it oh so I understood it like he was like oh hey I have to give you this injection because the Argentinian officials make me do inoculation oh, okay so then and i definitely then, got it wrong okay and then he took them like, yeah. so anyways he he used them to say oh i have to give you this like vaccine yeah sorry you're right i did totally re- i totally messed that up and then it ended up being cyanide yeah so cash um and like literally so people who trusted him to like deliver them Safely, so basically, all these people paying him twenty five thousand francs, which is a lot of money. It's not like, yeah, like how like especially you for you know the early night like a nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, and then literally would just kill them and take everything they had. Plus, obviously, already had their money, so he was really making some serious bank. Um, so he first used to like dump the bodies in a river, but then later started destroying them by submerging them in like a quicklime flu like fluid type thing. Or he would inc- uh, incinerate them. Oh, that's lovely. Does yeah. it say where he incinerated them? <laughs> um, it does not. I don't know if Only it was at his like, house. I, like, obviously, you know, I've worked at animal shelters my whole career. And so we had, um, like, crematoriums um, for the deceased animals. 
but it's like kind of a process like it's not like an easy thing to yeah, do like, did, do you have a friend at the funeral home or did you like murder them yeah. and then use their like what it's happened? not like you can't just like light a person on fire and then they disappear because even when i, I apologize if this like freaks anyone out but um when we do the animals in the crematorium when it's done burning there's still bones left that have to be crushed like and it gets up to like i don't know i forgot what it was something like 1500 degrees like something crazy crazy high um and we still had to crush the bones afterwards yeah um so curious to know how that worked what made me laugh though is when i read about this they had said the only thing he failed to do was keep a low profile <laughs> <laughs> because like most serial killers aren't trying to like be overly in the radar they're just doing what they're doing and he was very opposite of that um yeah. obviously like he was a doctor he was, mayor yeah like, like <laughs> he's he's not he's not he's really not trying to like act like he's not around um mm -hmm. so the Gestapo did eventually find out about him. And in April of 1943, they had all heard about this, like, alleged, like, escape route that he had created. And so a Gestapo agent forced a prisoner to approach the, like, network and see what was going on. Like, you know, a CI. Um, and he vanished. <laughs> so... Like, people don't just vanish. Like... <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of people. The word vanish came up a lot when we researched this guy, and no one questioned any of these people who just no disappeared. One. No one. So then a later informant that they sent in, which they call an informer in France, in case you're wondering, successfully infiltrated the operation, and then the Gestapo arrested like his associates. And then under know. their torture, like, as they were torturing his associates, they confessed that Dr. Eugene, because, mind you, they didn't know who Dr. Eugene was. They didn't know it was oh, Marcel, because he had... They're just doing this. <clears throat> so, literally, his associates were like, oh, my God, Dr. Eugene's Marcel. Go get him, and it wasn't me. Like, this was not my idea. So, um, the one of them was later released, like, after torture and questioning and whatever but three others spent eight months in prison um but they were actually because they were suspected of helping jews escape um but even under torture they didn't identify any other members but later they found out just because they didn't know <laughs> like they literally had no information whatsoever they actually didn't know so in 19 so this was in 1943 and then january of 1944 those three men like so basically by 19 a year later all of his accomplices had been released um which uh, is crazy so then march of 1944 neighbors noticed that like smoke was coming from the chimney of his house and it smelled like really funky so the oh, neighbors you mean like bodies <laughs> so then the neighbors went to complain on march 11th so f first of all i would not wait like seven days or something so i'd be like oh sorry five days i'd be like yeah what is i'm gonna need you to stop now like there's no way is this like a common i mean so Whoa, anyway, they waited um, five days and they found a note on the door saying that he was away for the month. Like there's smoke coming out of your house. Clearly you are not away for the month. <laughs> I don't understand. So neighbors were like, all right, I guess we'll call the police. Called the police and told them that Marcel owned the house. So the police called him and told them to wait for him. <laughs> they were like, hey. Don't go in. I gotta hide the bodies first. Then you can no, no, no. The police called him and he said, wait for and he told them to wait for him so that he was like yeah, yeah just wait which like what so 30 minutes later police ha called the fire department because mind you guys now there's smoke and like fire spreading everywhere so it's like oh very messy 
and a fireman came through a second story window um which is like how i picture every fireman in movies like well bam <laughs> saves the day and literally Naturally. landed and found like a display of bodies and body parts he was like yeah. okay plot twist this is not what i was expecting at all so when he finally arrived because mind you he apparently he wasn't actually at his house he was just burning bodies which more blows my mind because i like i don't know how this is happening if he's not there i know i want to know so he claimed he was yeah, a member of the french resistance and that the bodies were of like uh germans traitors collaborators like all these like b basically bad guys um and people in general like approved of his like resistance activities so the police were actually reluctant to arrest them and they released them what is <laughs> happening right now <laughs> um so can you imagine he's got bodies and body parts just like strewn around his house so first of all they fire. searched his house still they found a pit filled with human remains from the ones that were in the like chemicals he had put in the quick line on the staircase they actually found a canvas sack just sitting there with human remains and they said there were enough body parts for at least 10 complete bodies but yet they were like okay well hey it seems legit thanks for helping the resistance man and like that was it and they so, didn't want to know who these people were if had they been reported mit right oh my god i mean different times obviously but this is stressful for me <laughs> so the paris police commissioner at the time was like i need to take charge of this investigation because um you know let's let's probably like keep it under the radar maybe surveillance him i'm not really sure um the first problem was actually to find out if he was killing for the resistance or for the gestapo which i think is also why they released him because they really didn't have anything to hold him on because they didn't actually know if he was lying or not and they didn't have any proof which again like at least hold him for 72 hours i don't know he could have cracked maybe right but they did not do that so everything was finally a lot of that was limit so the gestapo was eliminated because the commissioner actually received a telegram and the germans basically were like you need to arrest him he is a quote unquote dangerous lunatic so they oh. found his apartment because mind you he had a house and an apartment his apartment okay. was abandoned but there was like large amounts of chloroform and other poisons in addition to large amounts of more like usual like medical supplies basically yeah so mind you guys he's now gone away like 400 times because they have just continued to let him go right and then the normandy invasion happened in 1944 so they had to put on hold so he just kept killing because they did not they did not <laughs> Sorry, have, we have other things to do so you're just gonna have to keep being a serial killer and we'll come back have fun so during this like seven month period now okay he's hiding with his friends he's claiming that the gestapo wanted to kill him because he had killed germans and informers that's how he basically like conned his friends into letting him stay he eventually right. moved in with the patient let his beard grow and then just again changed his name and his aliases a bunch of times um he adopted the name henry valeri and joined the french forces which again this goes back to how many times you can change who you are and no one's looking into your background at this time he actually became a captain he became a captain in charge of counter espionage and prisoner interrogations so he he literally like joined the police force and became like a special captain interrogator he probably did some messed up stuff during interrogation yeah like if he just like injected people with cyanide like for fun imagine what he did if he was like trying to get information out of people 
Yeah, so then a newspaper called The Resistance published an article about him and his defense attorney from, the, from like, the 1942 narcotics case where he was charged for, like, basically giving out too much narcotics um, received a letter in which they claimed, like, oh, your client lied and, like, is killing people and all this stuff. So this gave police the hint that he was, like, still in Paris. And then the search began. This is what did it. This. <laughs> So then the search began and they basically followed him and like finally figured out, okay, he's going by Henry Valeri. Um, let's see if we can find him. So on October 31st, he was actually recognized at a metro station and arrested. Among his possessions, my new possessions he's holding with him, were a pistol, okay. 31,700 francs, and 50 sets of identity documents. 50? Oh my God. Yep. So he was placed on death row. There was like, obviously that we've been, they've been tracking this guy or not for like 10 years, at least it seems like it was really only like a few year period, but it, it felt much longer the way when I read it, I was I like, love how I feel like this guy's they now. go from like, they go from, okay, you have bodies in your house, whatever, no big deal. And then one person's like, Hey, I think he's a killer. And they're like, death row. <laughs> what? Um, Wait. There's a, there's so I like guess a disconnect he, I get, when they had captured him, he was like, yeah, I told you I was innocent. I'm killing enemies like I'm helping you. Hello. And I guess yeah. that the only reason they didn't they started not to believe him because they noticed he had like no friends in any major resistance group. And a lot of the groups oh, he had okay. mentioned like never existed. He had no proof of, you know, anything he was doing. And so eventually prosecutors charged him with at least 27 murders for profit because they estimated that his loot ran 200 million dollar francs. Because oh remember, guys, he was charging $25,000 francs per person to just like, like, like just to straight up take it. And he basically, from what we know, killed all those people. So right. they only have proof of 27 bodies, but I'm sure there were way more. So then he went oh on trial gosh, in 1946, facing 135 criminal charges. That's insane. Oh he had well, 12 civil lawyers. He melted in that line stuff. Oh, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like, that's even more victim that they wouldn't have even had any kind of anything left over to count them as a human. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's way more than 27 is what I'm trying to say. So then he had this one guy, um, Renee, who acted as his defense. And the prosecution had, like, a team of state prosecutors and 12 lawyers hired by, like, all the relatives of his victims. So, of course, he taunted the lawyers and claimed that various victims had been double agents or that vanished, like, or that the people that were vanished were alive and well under new names. He was like, guys, I told you my escape plan. It worked. So he did admit to killing just 19 of the 27 victims found in his house. Like, who else would have killed Only them? 19. No one else in your house. I don't understand. Just tell everyone. And claimed that they were Germans and collaborators, part of the whole, like, enemies killed thing. He really stuck to that story, even though, like, Aww. no one obviously believed it at that point. But he was not giving that up. He was convicted to 26 counts of murder and sentenced to death. And on May 25th of, I want to say this is 1946 still, yes. He was beheaded yeah. after a few days due to a problem. After a stay of a few days due to a problem in the release mechanism of the guillotine. So he was literally beheaded Whoa. by a guillotine. That's freaking wild. I'm just saying. One thing that's so different um, about death row now and death row then is like. You're on it for 400 years. <laughs> what? Because you're on it for 400 years. Right. That, exactly. Like, here, like 
they were like, okay, you're guilty death row. Two days later, you're decapitated. Here, it's like, um, actually, you can be on death row for 30 years and have 27 appeals and all this. I mean, not the people. And still never actually get executed because you just die of old age. Right, right, right. So that's crazy. But yeah, that is uh, Dr. Marcel, Dr. Satan. Um, Wild. This guy was fun. He was, cause he was it, and it was super interesting because it was such a different time frame. A lot of the right. serial killers we've covered is um, have been like in the 1980s or like yeah. 1950s or older. Actually, even most of the recent ones we've done have been, you know, in the 2000s. So right. it definitely was interesting to do someone who was lived in such a like. When's the last time you were like, oh, someone got executed by a guillotine? Right. It wasn't. I wouldn't mind like doing more killers that like took place in this time. Yeah. So also, definitely- I realized that he was executed. Um, hold on. Oh no, it was almost. I was gonna say it was almost on the exact day my dad was born, but it was a year off. Oh, that would have been cool. Sorry, never mind. It's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, that is him in a nutshell. Um, he, like we said, he was interesting. So that's all we got for yeah. today, folks. Uh, as usual, thanks for listening. Like us, rate us, email us some um, fun suggestions or comments, questions, concerns, whatever you so choose. Um, hang in there. Uh, I think most people, um, quarantine is starting to light up in like baby faces everywhere. I know it is here in Rhode Island where we are. Um, so, you know, just hang in there. And uh, as usual, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Happy Friday.